Good morning and welcome uh, to this week, our Monday morning talks. And we're in week four of Core 52. Uh, Sarah's with me this morning and we're talking about covenants. Uh, that's what week four uh, was all about. And so for three weeks, we talked about God creating, God initiating things, how our identity is found in him. And then week four starts to get into, okay, now sin has to be dealt with. Yeah. And so God kind of chooses covenant relationships as his way of bringing us all back to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's lots of cool stuff about covenant. We've been sitting here talking about it a little bit. And, uh, you know, the sermon yesterday was a different kind of sermon for me. But I started with the question, you know, what do you think about when I say the word covenant? And the interesting thing is, is I knew Probably not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a word we use very often. It's not It's not all that common that we make covenants today. No. I feel like, really, I feel like the only time that we ever, or that I just ever hear it is when I'm at church and we do communion. Mm-hmm. Like, because we talk about Jesus's blood being like the new covenant. But mm-hmm. that's, that's, I think that's just in every day. That's the only place that yeah. I hear it. Well, and there's just, there's different, uh, there's different, um, places that we've replaced that word. Yeah. I think, you know, so that was some of what I talked about. Like one of the words I used in the beginning part of the sermon there was contract, Right. you know, that in some ways we've replaced covenants with contracts. They're not the same thing though. No. Um, and I talked about the differences, a lot of the differences there, but we also, the word promise mm-hmm. promise is a really closely related word to covenant. Um, these were promises that God made with people. Um, but still very different from today, right? Sure. Cause it's that phrase like promises are made to be broken. Yeah. Like, so not even, but it's like such an important word that. for us to understand yeah. if we really want to understand God through his word, because like, yeah, I even brought up, you know, in second Kings, the word is referred to as the book of the covenant. Yeah. You know, the Latin word for Testament is covenant. So new covenant, old covenant, like the way it's, it has so much to do with God and his word and us understanding him. So, um, I think one of the things I did first when, I knew I was going to be on Monday morning talks. (laughs) I wanted to make sure, just look and see how other people defined it. So I looked it up and um, a lot of different um, just biblical scholars said that there isn't really a good set definition to it. Um, And it kind of went back to your sermon because you said that covenants were personal, but they said there wasn't a good definition because they were all so different because each covenant is a pretty personal thing. And so we can describe it, but it's hard to like actually define it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, they have such a personal nature. We talked, I talked about the differences between them and contracts, personal, Covenants are permanent, mm-hmm. you know, they're eternal, they're right. unconditional. Um, 
and like costly. Said, yeah. And it's important to know and understand them because a lot of what God does is through covenants. Like if you're reading, hopefully you're reading your Bible, if you're reading your Bible, you're going to see that word yeah. quite often. Yeah. Well, and, and so, um, I was trying to think like, you know, I brought up in the sermon. So one place we probably could encounter that word today is marriage. Yeah. You know, marriage was originally defined as a covenant, a covenant between you, your spouse and God. You know, it's a, it's kind of a three way personal relational promise. And, um, you know, one place I've used it, I, one place I encountered it. I remember when I was, when I went to Lincoln and I don't know if they still did this when you went or not, but we had to sign sign a covenant Mm -hmm. as an agreement when we started as students, like the standard we were going to live by, uh, as a student at Lincoln. And it was, it was, it was, uh, it was personal. Yeah. It was also like really, I mean, for a college student, it was pretty strict. Yeah, it was very um, specific. And so similarly, like I, I, I thought, you know, I, probably a lot of people don't know this, but I have a similar thing with our staff here. Mm-hmm. A covenant that um, I put together when I moved into this lead position that I was just like, man, here's something that helps me hold our staff accountable to something. Um, and so we call it our code of ethics. Uh, and I revisit it with the staff every year during evaluations, but, and it, it, it talks about all kinds of, you know, all parts of our lives as, as leaders, as influencers, people who maybe other people are paying extra attention to or watching and talks about having discipline in our relationship with Jesus, how we handle our calendar, um, you know, talks about integrity, being sexually pure, um, doing our work. Um, yeah, all all kinds of different things that, that it deals with. But at the end of it, I actually have it where we sign it. It is a covenant and it just says, I commit to live by this code of ethics and be an appropriate citizen of our community, realizing that I'm looked at as one in a position of spiritual authority should be held to a higher standard above reproach. I'm agreeing to make myself accountable to our lead minister and the elders of First Christian Church Maliqua. I acknowledge that my failure to live by this code could result in closer accountability or even my termination as a minister at First Christian Church. So it's pretty serious. Big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I would say like... A little scary. <laughs> uh, we're, we're very slow to ever that word termination to ever even come up, I would say. And I I don't say that to say we're soft, but we're definitely about maybe more accountability then or, you know. And I mean, it's more, I don't know. I guess it just feels a little more serious because it's called covenant Mm -hmm. and not like other places you work, you sign contracts. But once again, those can be broken. And I think, I don't know, it just puts more weight on it. Because it's a covenant. Yeah. Well, and I think what was really good about the, the, or what I was trying to accomplish yesterday, because it was such a different kind of sermon. Um, 
I am not a three point, four point, like that's not really my style usually preaching, but I felt like I wanted to teach on what a covenant was all as background building up to, okay, now here's the text. Yeah. And so actually the whole sermon built up to here's the text. Maybe it'll make more sense now. Right. That we know all of these things. And so, you know, what I really wanted to come across through the things I was saying yesterday is like, man, there, there are two parties involved in every covenant. And so there's the covenant maker mm-hmm. who's God and God's got a lot invested in his covenants. You know, when he makes these promises and he makes these commitments, I think that's another really strong covenant word commitment. Yeah. You know, it the reason it's all of those things, the reason it's personal, the reason it's eternal, the reason it's unconditional, the reason it's costly, that's all on uh, mostly on his part. Yeah. He's the one that <laughs> makes it all of those things. Um and so that's that's how we can know he's trustworthy. Yeah. To commit to the to our end of the covenant. Like God is going to be God. He is going to be consistent. He can be trusted. Like God can be trusted to do what he says he's going to do. So then what's our part? And that was the whole. Here we are. Yeah. (laughs) So that was the whole second half was talking about like faithfulness then. Mm -hmm. You know, I think my statement was faith is the currency of covenant. Um, That's what we get in it or put in it is faith. Yeah. Um, but even there, like there's a translation struggle, um, that doesn't make a ton of sense if we don't understand it. Um, because with that, you know, our, our memory verse for the week. Yeah. You want to read it? Sure. Um, on here, Genesis 15, six, Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Yep. And so it's actually found multiple other places, that exact verse. Mm -hmm. It's in Galatians. Yeah. And you read it from, I read it from Romans. Yeah. Um, and so, but this whole, that whole idea. So Abraham believed God. God counted it to him as righteousness. Like that word believed is a, is a really bad translation. I think Yeah. for it doesn't encompass what it means. Cause today for us, I think when we say I believe, or I believed something, it doesn't mean the same thing. No, <laughs> not that it meant when it talks not, about not like that. Abraham. Cause you know, like for me to say, I I I don't even know how to like best illustrate that, but for when I, for me to sit here today and say I believe in God, well, okay. I just feel like it's very vague and not very. Right. I don't know. But when you get into like what it meant that Abraham believed God, and that's part of why I went through his story the way I did to tell his. Abraham's whole story because it's like Abraham believed God. So he left everything he knew yeah, to go someplace that God wanted him to go that he didn't know anything about. 
So he literally uprooted his life and his family's lives. That's part of it. He also... Well, yeah, there's several parts of his life are like that, right? Because then, yeah, when you're talking about just having him and his wife didn't have a baby, and but believing in that promise. And even later on in the text, when he finally does have that baby, who he loves so much, and then he is asked to sacrifice him. Like, that's different than just us saying, like, yeah, I believe in God. Right. <laughs> that's, that's a different level of, <laughs> like, yeah. it should be a different word. Like you said, it's a probably a poor <laughs> word For to sure. just kind of put on there. Yeah. And so if you go to uh, that definition that I had set up for covenant for us, that this is covenant, a better definition than the, the dictionary one. Covenant is doing relationships on God's terms. Yeah. But it was back to that word hesed, faithful love in action. That's a better idea of what be- what Abraham believed means. Yeah. Abraham showed faithful love in action and God counted it to him as righteousness. Yeah. That sounds better. And so like, <laughs> yeah, it does sound better. And, but, it's better. but at the same time, I think it, it's just better for people to know that like, Hey, this weak idea we have of what believing is like, I hate to say it's not enough, but like, it's kind of not enough. Yeah. <laughs> like God um, wants, Faithful love in action. He doesn't want, yep, God, I know who you are. Yeah. I believe you're up there. I bring it up to the students all the time because, um, you know, there's always this question, especially with students. I mean, we have, as adults have it too, but like, what what do I need to do to like be okay, right? right. Like, what, what is just enough so I don't have to give all of my time or all of my life. And I always bring up when, you know, he says, well, even the demons believe, right? Like even they believe in Jesus and God, but it's the faithful love and action part that sets us apart from that. Like, honestly, just saying that you believe is not enough. <laughs> I don't think right. it says that in the Bible. So. so if there's a word we could get at, and I remember we talked about this a lot when we, we did a series and it's been unfortunately like longer than I thought (laughs) it's been several years ago now. I, it seemed like it hadn't, but it was probably like 2017 ish. We went, we did a series through the book of John. And when we went through John, I set up from the beginning of John, uh, with his gospel, like, that there's a word that I felt like I said, it's not the right translation. And we need to set that up from the beginning. And I had gone through and, and circled it a lot in John, but there's this word and it's that word, believe, believe or believed. And over and over again, that word should be translated faith or faith. So, you know, Abraham faith in God. Cause that, that, that's a different, that's, that's bringing in other things. And that, that's what's so, that's why, you know, if you ever wanted to know, like, why would Ryan stop or why would any preacher stop in a sermon and give us a Greek lesson on a word Yeah. ever? It's because of that, because in their language, 
a word carried with it so much more weight than words carry for us today. Yeah. They just meant so many more things. And our language doesn't appropriately sometimes. No, I'm definitely like a word nerd. Like I love just language. And we, so many times in my classes, like in college, we talked about how the English language has really like watered down so many words. Like they were concentrated with all of this meaning and, and that's not even biblical classes. Like that's just language in general that Mm -hmm. it's just kind of watered down some of these words. So they don't mean the same thing. I mean, we talk about love all the time. Yep. Like I love, you know, my husband, I love my dog. Like it's the same word. Yeah. I love Michigan. <laughs> well, love is the perfect it's, it's the perfect word to look at that way because so we use one word. Yeah. For for love all the time. In the Greek they used four. Yeah. It was four diff, very different things. Yeah. And that's, I tell my students anytime, because I do the same thing. I'm like, I know anytime you hear, well, this word in Greek or, you know, this word in whatever, you know, you start to kind of not listen because you're like, what's the point? No, there's, there's a lot of point to that. Like there's a huge reason why we do that. Yep. So, and I didn't bring it with me because I, I can show you that. And, 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 and I think that's the thing. We look at this, then we look at what we have in the Bible and go, well, why didn't, why don't they translate it better than, yeah. and the problem is like, because it would be so much harder to read. Yeah. It wouldn't make sense. So it's like, it's kind of the compromise, unfortunately, that's made <laughs> so, so that we're able to have this in a, cause even like the message, you know, Eugene Peterson probably put more effort into trying to do that. Yeah. But then if I had the message sitting here next to this, it's like this and it, you know, yeah. that's not as easy. People don't, aren't going to pop that in their purse or carry that around as easy. And right. So it's just, unfortunately, like that's why we need to study the word. And yeah. that's why, <laughs> core, time that's why core 52 is so important, I think for yeah. us. Yeah. Something just real quick, since we just talked about core 52 is, um, there we're reading core 52 as a church, but I wanted to make sure I brought this because core 52 has a student edition. So if your kids are getting into it, they're wanting to follow along. Um, they are very similar. The chapters are very similar, but the language that they use to describe things is different, more geared towards like junior high and high school. And so are the examples when he breaks stuff down. So um, even I found things that I like in the student edition that maybe talk differently than the adult version. So just a little plug out there for if your kids are wanting to follow along too, but maybe they're needing something a little more geared towards them specifically. So really cool. Yep. So it's cool. Like we've given out now like 200 copies. Wow. Of course, they're all gone again. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I don't, I don't know if we're going to order more right now or if we're going to just more on an individual basis. Like if somebody wants the book, we we will still help you get it. Um, but there are these other versions of it. And that's why it's probably easier for you to go to Amazon and get, because, you know, it's just as easy for you to do that. That's where we got them. 
Yeah. But then the other thing is, is like they have a family edition, they have a student edition. So, you know, maybe it's some way that you can engage your kids or yeah. your whole family. More in, like applicable to you. Yep. But with covenants, one of the things I like, because, you know, talking even with students, we, we don't use covenant as a word like in our everyday language. and But it's crazy because we know the Old Testament and New Testament. And in the student edition, it says, like, aside from Abraham's, the two most important covenants in the Bible are the Old and New Testament. They pretty much are covenants. And, you know, the first was Moses and the law. And then the second is Jesus and grace. And so it's kind of neat because I think once we talk a little bit more about covenants, it's it's easier to see like, oh, this isn't just a scary word that doesn't apply to us anymore. Like, yeah. no, we're around it all the time. <laughs> like, and God's story is pretty much covenant after covenant. Like, like Ryan was saying, it's kind of a thread through the Bible, just yeah. all these different covenants. So that's Well, and of- it was like, there are a lot of promises in scripture. Yeah. There are a lot of things God promises to be and to do. But I think, I don't know if I was trying to get at like what, what sets coven, his covenants apart. I, w- I would go, I would almost go back to Noah yeah. and that, that covenant, because from right there, you know, like continuing the story from where we've been in core 52, the previous three weeks, you know, Adam and Eve, they've sinned their family fractures, Cain and Cain kills Abel. Sin just is exploding in the world, and it was not what God ever intended or wanted. And so because it's so out of control, you know, God's going to wipe everything out. And some people look at that and go, man, uh, who is this angry God? I know. That really bothers me. That's wiping everything out. (laughs) And, And I guess covenant would be the other side of that is it's like, you know, that's what I told people even when we went through the story. And they're just like, man, God, God wiped out a lot of people. Yeah. But on the flip side, it's like, yeah, but why didn't he wipe everyone out? Yeah. God, because of, as creator and because of what people kept agreeing to do and then not fulfilling their end of, like, God would have been justified in wiping everything. Yeah. Just being done or yeah. starting completely. <laughs> but, he, but covenant is what kept him from doing that. He made, he made covenants with people to go, there will still be a remnant of my love in relationship. Yeah. So Noah, your family will be saved. And so you look at that and how that foreshadows the new covenant where God's just like, Hey, some people are still going to choose Satan and sin over a relationship with me, but I'm going to make it possible for everyone to be saved. Yeah. Like that's what covenant is about. Uh, covenant is about saying, actually, he's not this angry, right. terrible God. He's provided truly an easier way mm-hmm. for us to be saved and have a relationship with him uh, instead of being wiped out yeah. for eternity. Yeah. Definitely. I always feel bad when we say tell that story because, like, <laughs> I'm 
mean, I know God is God, but I'm like, how like how heartbroken must have God been to just be like, I don't even know what to, you know, I don't know, just the Noah story. But um, I wanted to bring up like covenants. We talk about, we don't talk about that word a lot, but we are very familiar with covenants, whether we know it or not. Right. Because even in Core 52, it has a list of people who have like covenants with God, like Adam, Noah, Abraham, David, of course, Jesus. Like we I think we are more familiar with these than we think we are. It's just, I guess, putting weight on them and seeing how important they are, not only back then and when we're studying, but how important it is like and they still affect us today. Like the covenant with, well, just Jesus dying for us. And I mean, that's something that affects everybody. (laughs) So kind of cool. I think uh, uh, if you don't have anything else, I was going to end then just reading this. This is from Matthew 27. Um, And it's, I'm going to read it from the message, but I think it's God sealing his new covenant. Like it's the moment that covenant was set up and you know, it's Jesus on the cross says around mid afternoon, he groaned out of the depths crying, you know, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some bystanders who heard him said he's calling for Elijah. One of them ran and got a sponge soaked in sour wine lifted it on a stick so he could drink. The others joked, don't be in such a hurry. Let's see if Elijah comes and saves him. But Jesus again, crying loudly, breathed his last. And here's the cool part, you know, so all this is happening and people are mocking him. People are, and it says at that moment, the temple curtain was ripped into top to bottom. There was an earthquake Rocks were split in pieces. What's more, tombs were opened up. And many bodies of believers asleep in their graves were raised. After Jesus' resurrection, they left the tombs, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. Like, that's not an angry God. That's a God who made a loving covenant, and it cost him dearly to keep it. So. Have a good week. And next week, I think Sarah's going to be with me again. We're going to be talking about holiness. (laughs) And she really liked chapter five. I did. I'm excited. I'm excited for you all to read it. Yep. Have a good week. Bye.